before you're seated this morning, let me give you my passage. We are so grateful that you're in this house, every one of you. If you're new here, we are so grateful that you took action today and came into God's house because it matters. And we're shifting out of the funk from 2020, and we're waking up some bones that are stiff from sitting in our house for a year. So now we got to retrain ourselves that, wait, we need to get out and go to church. We need to do something with our lives for God. So it's just so exciting to see new faces, returning faces, and there's so many others that will be here soon. Just keep the faith. Keep praying. God's going to break free this community. Matthew chapter 4, real quick. I always say real quick, like, like, like it's too much for you guys. Let me just say Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 22. This is when Jesus called his apostles for the first time. It's pretty crazy stuff in the modern day world. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, who was also called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. How many knew that they weren't archaeologists? Does anybody know they're fishermen? Come on, y'all. You know the Bible? This is the Bible. Come on, yeah? We, we know they're fishermen? Okay, good. We're getting somewhere. We know, they're, we know they're fishermen. They're fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Interesting. They were fishermen, but Jesus said, I will make you fishers of men. He just changed it a little. Sometimes God will just change something a little, and you head down a completely different path. They immediately, everybody look to your neighbor and tell them, immediately, they immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from here, from there, he saw two other brothers, James and John's, the sons of Zebedee, sons of thunder, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately, there it is again, immediately they left their boat and their father on the boat. What good boys. They just left their dad hanging in the boat and followed Jesus. Y'all might take your seats this morning as I give you my subject of radical obedience. Radical obedience. Was it, was it Wayne and Garth? Is this, can you guys see me? We're just, this is, this is a brand new setup this week. We were down there last week. So I can't even tell if I'm in a shadow, if this looks okay. I'm not talking about like this, if this looks okay. I'm saying like, can you see me physically? So that's good. Oh, I can see me there. That's weird. Anyway. Was it Wayne and Garth? Radical, man. Radical, dude. Who's, who says radical? Anybody remember the old Hardy's chicken? Hardy's chicken's ripping. Anybody remember that? <laughs> Who says that? Do you remember that? This was like early 90s when Hardy's put out chicken. Anyway, I think radical, I think I got issues. Radical obedience. Before we get into this, though, I want to give you one quick, something cool that happened this week. Um, and somebody said I was talking about this too much, so I just want to tell you one more thing about it, okay? We do, we do music. And let me clarify, the music is not funded by the church. Your tithes and offering don't go to the music. That's a separate project. But we do have a thing called One Seed Worship. I don't want people to get the wrong idea. We don't put God's money in that. It's privately funded. But we're using it to glorify God anyway. 
Isn't that cool? So, so we're doing a thing called One Seed Worship, and we put out this song, and, and people are like, oh, you should send it to radio. I'm like, radio won't play it because there's too many songs to play on the radio. And so I'm like, okay, I know. I'll send out an email. The church will send out an email, and we'll tell everybody we know to go request the song. So we did that. And so then I, I thought that will expose who's in charge because it's good music. And if it's good music and it gets to the right person, it will expose who's in charge. So I get this email from a person and this is why I'm sharing this. They said, your friends, and they don't know that it was actually friends of God, the congregation flooded my inbox with requesting this. So here's who you need to send the song to, formally submit it, and we probably won't play it, blah, 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 disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. But we made a step forward. You step, I step. You see how that works? If y'all hadn't done that, we wouldn't be taking another step. It's a team thing. Anyway, I thought that was really cool because she said, your friends flooded my inbox. I'm like, good. That's what we were trying to do. Thank you. And by the way, if you don't play our song, I'm going to find, no, I won't. I won't do that in Jesus' name. Anyway, (laughs) radical obedience, it sounds harsh. Radical is uh, abrupt. It's it's not, uh, it's not um, patient. It's not, um, it's not slow. It's, it's fast, it's immediate, it's immediately they followed their nets. They were, they were like radical about it. And, and growing up in church, in and out of church, there was many years I wasn't part of the church, and I used to see people in the church, like weird people. You ever seen someone weird in church? Yeah, you. No, not, not me. Have you seen a weird person in church where you're like, man, I don't know about that place. That's weird. Can we say weirdos? Can Christians say weirdos? I say weirdos all the time. And yes, there's weirdos in church too. Guess what? There's weirdos everywhere. Everywhere there's people, there's going to be some weirdos. So, so there was this one weird guy one time, Christine, and I went to this church. Actually, it's my nephew's church. Shout out, Nick. I uh, hope you're doing good down there. Thanks for leaving us. Just kidding. Hey, anyway, um, did I say that out loud? <laughs> He'll just laugh it off. Anyway, there was this guy at the church in the choir. I was probably 18, 19, and and. You know, the choir when they had robes? You know, Sister Act? Remember Sister Act? Anybody? Okay. Y'all, y'all alive? Is, do we need to get uh, Christine to do some CPR in here? Okay. Okay, they're awake? Good. Okay. So, so this guy, he's, he's, he's a, you know the Carlton dance? He's white. Carlton. Whatever. Brown. And, and, and so he was in the choir. Just going to town, man. Middle-aged white guy going to town doing the Carlton with his robe on, and it was amongst a diverse uh, choir, and it was great, but he looked really like a fish out of water, Selena, okay, and, and I'm like, that guy's weird, that guy's not for real, he was so happy, like to be at church, he was so happy to sing for God, it was so weird, and that's when I was at the age where I had to be like, you know, cool, I'll raise my hand. If the lights are low enough, I'll do a little bit of praise. If the lights are low enough, but I don't know how people think if I look. And, so, and he was just up there doing the Carlton. And I, I was like, um, that's weird. You're a phony. You're a weirdo. No Christian would ever act that happy. No Christian would be that full of joy. That's not natural. And... um he was full of this thing the Bible talks about uh, zeal. It's this overwhelming, like, radical excitement for God, okay? And it's weird when you're not used to seeing it because it's unusual. Weird means different. 
There's a lot of things in the Bible that are weird. Let me tell you first and foremost. Weird doesn't mean bad. It means different. And the Bible calls us to be full of zeal. And this man was so full of zeal, he was busting at the seams. And I thought he was going to bust his knee because he was going to trip down the risers because he was dancing so crazy when it was just supposed to be like a slow song. But there are certain behaviors of people that I've met throughout my life that when I first observed them, I thought they were strange. I thought they were fruity, fruitcakes, weird. Whatever you want to insert, whatever adjective you want. I thought they were strange. And sadly, it was a lot of people I've met in church. <laughs> so good, Pastor. Thank you for sharing that. I really want to come back. For a long time, I never understood how people could be so excited for God and how they would really put him first in everything. Everything, even like when church is over, everything. Like everything. Everything. They would show grace. This man was smiling even when he wasn't singing. He was just smiling all the time. I got to know him, and he was really just good, happy, full of grace, loving, always extending a helping hand. It seemed too perfect to me at the time, and it took an even longer time to recognize that they were just as messed up as me, but they allowed Jesus to live perfectly in them and to flow through them and so then they come across different or weird to the world until the world realizes that they're the weird ones because we're living outside the covenant. And so when I get into covenant, I no longer think what's weird is weird. I think it's actually the way it's supposed to be. You with me? You can clap for that. That's good, Mike, because it's true. I mean, we're in O'Fallon. Sometimes praise and worship can look weird. We're trying to shake up the soil a bit and show them what the Bible says and bring the word of God to the people and it can be weird. I think it's important, though, that we recognize that our walk with God is not, can I say this? It's not about us. It's about him. Church isn't here to feed you and go on your merry way. Church is to nourish you, to go spread his message. And so when we grow in our walk, it's called sanctification. We learn to shift our thinking, that we no longer become the center of our focus. We see things one way, and then when God becomes our focus, well, we'll start seeing things his way. Can you imagine that? I mean, they left their nets. Is it possible that being generous for God and living for him and putting his will first isn't him telling us what to do, but rather his attempt to show us how out of this world... Our life could be when we elevate our faith to a radical status. Radical. Radical. Radical obedience requires immediate action and delivers kingdom results. Let's say it again. Radical obedience delivers, just like when Jesus called them, immediate actions and will deliver kingdom results. Now, I'm not saying get crazy and do something crazy. But when you quit processing so long and waiting so long and you finally just say, I'm going to do something and move forward, God will focus you in on where you should go next. You don't have to worry about 10 steps down the road. You step, I step. And I can't even imagine if, imagine if I was Peter and Jesus approached me and said, drop your computer and your internet, PJ. I'd be like, this man is crazy. You're telling me I shouldn't go on social media? 
and I shouldn't use my phone 3,800 times an hour, and I need to leave it all and follow you? That just don't seem right. I don't know if I could do it, guys. I don't know if I could do that. But guess what they did? That's what they did because they were radical and obedient. They drop it like it's, come on, somebody. Drop it like it's hot. They dropped it like it was hot when they had their net, and they dropped it like, whoo, let's go. That's what they did. And they say, well, let me get back to you. Let me go talk to my wife. And Well, that wouldn't, that would be today. I would talk to Michelle. Michelle would be like, no, we're not going. We're not doing that. I got gymnastics scheduled for Chloe, and I got, I got this this week. We can't go follow Jesus this week. Tell him we'll get back to him when summer comes. Jesus says, drop it like it's hot, like that fishing net is burning your hand because it's holding you back. That's some radical faith. I can't even imagine. Isn't it funny that they were expert fishermen? So they knew how to be fed when they were hungry. They knew how to eat when they were hungry, yet they dropped everything because they were starving for something more. Did you ever think about that? They could go out and catch a crappie, go out and catch a whatever they had in the Mediterranean. I don't know, maybe like a red snapper. That's really good. They could, they could go catch what they wanted to be full, but it wasn't the kind of nourishment they knew their soul needed. So they dropped their nets anyway. They dropped their expertise area for something completely foreign, novice. They had no experience in being fishers of men. Amen. Love it. God's listening. God just, that's a God praise right there. Come on, we can make jokes in church. It's okay. If you were here last week, this is great this week. I remember last, how many don't remember last week because they blacked out? I don't remember. I have to watch a video because it was just, Lord, please save me. Anyway, we had some technical hurdles last week. Great learning experience. No growth without adversity. God calls us to drop it like it's hot. But we want to touch it, feel it. Maybe walk away because we think it's not. We don't want to drop it like it's hot because we don't believe that it's the thing that's going to make our lives what it should be. Because we have a lot of options. We have a lot of options. I have a lot more floor space, and I'm not used to using this. I have options. Too many options can make you make, make a bad decision, you know? It's like going to the store and buying cookies. There's 800 types. You, 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 we, we're too smart for our own good. So when Jesus can walk right up to us and says, drop it like it's hot, and you say, let me think about it. You prayed for my will, you asked me to deliver healing, and now you won't follow me? You know, has anybody else ever been in that position? You know, God speaks to us through prayer, through intercession, through music. So just because he didn't physically walk up to you, maybe he's walked up to us and we missed it because we were texting somebody. Or maybe we missed it because, I don't know, that band was in town or whatever. Many of us have had our boats loaded with fish, though, just like expert fishermen. But we're starving inside. We're starving. We're full of fish, but God wants to fill us with his spirit. Where I come from, they must have been crazy to leave it all immediately. They weren't crazy, they were radical. Because radical obedience requires immediate action 
immediate and delivers kingdom results. Immediate action. It was immediate. It's hard to do something immediately because it takes faith to step without process time. You know, you ever been in like an emergency? Has anybody ever been in a situation where it's an emergency, you don't have a lot of time to think about it first? It's immediate, right? And guess what it does? It stresses you out, doesn't it? When you gotta make a decision right then. It stresses you out because you have to make an immediate decision. And that's what God called us to do. And can I tell you, as a pastor, I'm just saddened by how many people are so looking to find a problem that they miss the revelation. Like we're in this culture and they just wanna like find a problem. If they can't find a problem in what you're doing, then they're not happy. It's like they live to find failure. So they miss the revelation and then they profess Christ on top of it and they hate on you and they judge you and they do it from a distance and you can always find offense from a distance. If I step away far enough, I can make assumptions about something and not really know any details, and I can call it fact to myself, and I can be judging like the Bible says not to before I know it, and I think I'm professing the gospel. That's my little side rant. I'm going to tie it back in the message because, because that same way of thinking causes us to stop and tell Jesus, I'll get back to you. That's not what they did. You know we're supposed to be like them. You know we're an extension of the 12, just like one seed, Jacob. Here's my plug for the name, why we named this church. Jacob became Israel. Israel became 12 sons. 12 sons became 12 tribes. 12 tribes became millions of people, just like when Jesus came, and then he, then he discipled the original 12, and then the 12 went and shared the gospel among the kingdom, and we have since grown his kingdom ever since. We are an extension the same, and so we are to be the same. We are to drop our nets immediately and quit questioning and say, do I believe this gospel? If this Bible is for real, then I've got to adhere to the word of God. Come on, somebody. If you're awake, you can praise for that because it's a life-changing word. And there's a consequence according to the Bible if we don't drop our nets immediately because tomorrow is no guarantee. I'll get back to you. What if that never happens? God forbid. We live in the world and we can't predict tomorrow. We need the blood of Jesus on our lives. My, my oldest son, I have four kids, Chloe, she was leading worship. Hey, give it up for Chloe. She shouted out and got the audience praising. She's 10 years old. She's 10 years old. And she, I was so proud of her. That was so cool how she's like, come on, let's worship. And she was doing that. It was so good. But the reason I'm telling you that is because I got a 10-year-old I got a nine-year-old Caleb, I got an eight-year-old Taz, his real name's Colton, and I've got a five-year-old Tazette, Kaylee, and, and Caleb it was born with, like, asthma, and he was born with, a, like, a narrow windpipe, and Michelle could give you all the actual details about it, because she's good like that. I just know he, he would always get uh, croup, and he would struggle to breathe, okay? He would struggle every year. We're in the emergency room, and finally, I said, let's just buy the machine and get the drugs so we can do this ourselves, because this is costing too much money. And so, so every year I have to fight and hold him when he's two years old. I got to hold the mask on him because, you know, they cry and they don't want to breathe, but it's going to save their life because their lungs are closing. And his lungs would close up on him. And he got so good at throwing up as a child, I'm not joking, that he got to where he's like, I got to go throw up. He goes, throws up. He comes back. He's good. We don't even know he's puking in the car sometimes. He keeps a bag. He's an expert at, at, at puking. This is really gross. Why are you sharing it? I'm sharing it because one time there was an emergency. And there was no time to think about what to do. 
And so it's in those moments you have to be trusting and call on the name of the Lord. And one time he was sleeping over, thank God. And what had happened, he was about three, was he about three, four, five? She keeps going like this. Six, can I get a seven? Can I get an eight? No, he was not that old. Okay, thank you. We'll talk about this at home. <laughs> he, was, he was probably five, and he, he, he threw up in his sleep. And because he had croup at the same time, his passage was shutting down. And then because he had stuff stuck in there, I'll never forget my little boy going, Dad, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I'll never forget in the middle of the night waking up here in my fiber going, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. You want to talk about the sickest pain in your stomach as a father, hearing your child. I'll never forget. It was playing through my head for weeks. I had, had panics over it. So I said, Michelle, call 911. I just I had, to, I had to go into my mom mode. My mom, my mom, I had to go into that zen mode because there was no time to dilly-dally. So we called 911 because we knew there was going to, I'm thinking there's going to be a delay. How long will it take for the ambulance to get here? What do I do while I'm waiting on the ambulance? Because what if they take too long because it's not immediate enough? So we had dealt with this so long, I don't know what we did. We threw on like the steamer and the nebulizer. We sat him up and we told him, breathe through your nose, calm down. And he recovered. By the time the ambulance got there, he was all good. They gave him some meds. But when you hear the child saying, I can't breathe, there was no time. And all I remember is it was immediate. It took immediate action. And some of us in our Christian walk, I, I used to do this. I used to do this, church, so I'm preaching it to you to save you some years of your life. I used to say, I'm going to serve God when? I'm going to serve God when? X is done. Y is done. A is done. B is done. There goes the alphabet. I'm still, okay, let's go to numbers. One, two, three, four, five. After all these things, and it still didn't happen, and it finally came to a point when I was creeping up on 40, I said, if I'm going to really do this, I got to do this for real. You only get one shot. Like Eminem says, many words of wisdom, says Eminem. Saith Eminem, Eminem with peanuts. Anyway, so, so you only get one shot. And so, and so that's what God has called us to do, to quit waiting on the, when the weather's good, waiting on when there's enough other people. Well, they just didn't have that many people, and I can't, I can't do it if they're not going to do it. And when they do it, and they, Jesus says, follow me first. Don't follow them to follow Jesus. Follow Jesus first. They will come follow you because you followed anyway. That's what gets us up. That's what gets us up to do this every week because we're following Christ first. Immediate. There's no time to waste. We were joking. Vincent, where's Vincent? Vincent says, yeah, you know, you give him about five years. I said, no, Vincent, I give him five days for that. And I was serious. We don't have five years to wait for that. We got five days, and they need to fix it. So I might be a little impatient, but, you know, somewhere in the middle is good. And so we have to take action immediately, and that takes radical obedience. Radical. God desires that kind of love for him from us. This is weird. I'm not used to a preacher, like, really telling me like it is. That's the Bible. God is the one preaching this word. I'm just trying to be used by him that you may receive something to get the message that he is for real and wants to be Lord of your life. Amen. Don't quit. Don't quit. God has a place for you. God has a place for every one of your gifts and talents that he needs to use. 
Because remember, it's not about us. It's about him. And so to exalt him, just like we got that radio person's attention, when we do it together, we will see God move. It's not the pastor and his wife and a couple team leads. It's the body of Christ that caused God to move in a community. I can't wait for that egg hunt because we're expecting a few hundred people that are going to go, what is this church? I'm going to say, yeah, I don't really care about eggs. In fact, I hate Easter egg hunts, if you really want to know. But I'm going to do it because I want you to see that this church is here and that we're trying to get to your heart with God's word. And we're going to do it. God help us if it be his will. We're going to get to your heart, and you're going to see a change in yourself. And you're going to go, I remember that egg hunt, and I found 1C Church because of it. And if it goes well next year, we're using the stadium. And I'm not joking. And there'll be 50,000 eggs and a helicopter. I got issues. But I'm not joking. (laughs) Anyway, what I'm trying to say to you today is this may be new to you. This may be weird. But find your fit. Quit waiting on someone to find your fit for you. Find your fit. God has something for you. He has a place 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 for you even when you feel like you're not usable by God because of what you've done. You don't have to keep disqualifying yourself because God qualifies the called. He calls. And if you move, he'll qualify you in the process. He didn't call. He called fishermen who stank like fish to be fishers of men. That's quite a shift. So if he can do that with a fisherman and a tax collector and all the other reprobates according to the scripture, and look what they became, the foundation of the gospel. He's got the same vision for you, and you, and you, and you. He's got the same vision for your life that way. That's why we do this, because it's cool and all, but at the end of the day, it's real. There's a real message behind this mission. Find your fit. I want to give you one more passage about these apostles, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 through 4. This is later. I want to show you what God's doing. He's establishing He's promoting, he's, he's titling what they were to become ahead of his fruition because he saw the potential in these stanky fisher people. It's not PC to say fishermen anymore probably. We got to call them fisher people. <laughs> I don't know. The fisher people. Well, there was one, I don't know. Uh, it was like a dog or an elephant in there. He didn't like it that I called them fishermen. I don't know. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 through 4. Excuse me, my notes are all messed up. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power. What did he do? He empowered them with something they lacked previously. He empowered them, oh, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and to, in, in kinds of disease. Now the names of the 12, how would you like to be in this list? Now, the Bible says, the name of the 12 were Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, ew, who knew? God did. James, the son of Alphaeus, and Labius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas, Iscariot, even the betrayer God used for a season to glorify the ultimate mission of the Lord. Through failure, he used Judas. He just declared the mission there. He just declared 
the mission. He just declared they're no longer fishermen, they're fishers of men now, and they're my team. And God says, I'm going to send you into the world. And the way they had the power was because the power would be in them through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The power was to be delivered to them when they said to go wait. He said, wait to be endued with power because without the power, you can't do nothing without me. That's what Acts 2 is. I'm just saying. There's a reason he said go and wait to be endued with power. And that is how, that is how we become something new. We get Christ in us and we become new. Then you, God wants to find your fit. When Peter dropped the net in the moment, if y'all could stand with me. When Peter dropped the net in the moment, did you think he knew, do you think he knew he was going to be part of the foundational structure that would forever change the world. Do you think Peter, Peter, foul-mouthed Peter, who was scared of the water, who was a scaredy cat on the water, I mean, he was trying to walk on water, and he, he cussed him out, you know, he, he denied Christ three times. I mean, he had all these, Jesus cast the demon out of him, but did you, look at all those things Peter did, and yet God said, you're going to be one of my greatest leaders for my mission. If God can do it to Peter, he can do it for you. He can find your fit. He can find your fit. God's building something so much bigger, and you are absolutely critically needed for it to succeed. I like that we got the backdrop because a lot of times when people come in, I get excited and I do a little, I little the guy I was making fun of in the beginning, I've become him. Okay? God did something new. So I, I do the little holy dance in the back, and it's weird, and I don't want nobody to see it still. But I can't hold it in because I see God doing something when I see people taking times out of their life to go fetch the word because they're hungry for something that they had a full boat of, they thought, but that was no longer filling the need. So they said, I got to go find something different. So you came into God's house, and God says, I got a place for you. I got a place for you. Today is your day. Everybody say, today is my day. God has a place. Point to yourself. God has a place for me. God wants to use me. Come on, don't be bashful. God wants to use me. Because when you do it like this, you're declaring it in Jesus' name. You're giving it life like he spoke the world into existence. You're speaking it, saying, I declare that God has a mission for me, and God wants to use me, and God wants me to have a joyful life. I don't have to keep living this way on this stale bread. It's good. Today is your day. Maybe a great first step is to serve at church and you say, I don't know what I could do to serve the church. Well, you just come to the church and you let Michelle know, or you can let me know, or you can talk to anybody and say, I want to serve. I don't know what to do, but we got something God can use you for. I promise you that. And God will start changing you through the process. That's a great way to start if you're not sure. That's not the only thing, but that's a great thing that you can do. So we just encourage you to take action. Because tomorrow is no guarantee, and God has called us for radical obedience, which means we have to have radical faith, and we got to be ready to move when God says, go. And that's what we're doing. Let's pray. God, we come to you right now. 
in your mighty name. It's mighty. It's life-changing. It's only because of your name that we can heal the sick, that we can pray over the lost, that we can see deliverance from the past addictions, God, that we can see, see you manifest through the lives of those who hunger and seek after you. It's only by your blood on this situation that that can happen, God. So we glorify your name today. We glorify and we give you praise, God, and we ask you to take us into this community and keep touching one seed at a time, one heart, putting one seed in one heart, and we know that you will give the increase. We know that you will take that word, and you will multiply that word, and you will take those eggs, and you will get in those people's hearts, and they will go, I need to go to church because God is bigger than this Easter egg hunt. We love you, Lord, and our fervor and our zeal is excitement because we're actually so excited that we have the freedom to take those masks off and to breathe again and to love again and to be in community again, God. So we give you all the praise and all the honor. And if the house of God can say with me right now, in Jesus' name, amen.